This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to the business section of our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of The Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Safia Boulay of New Habits, Making Shift Happen. Hi, Richard. And also joining us, Landy Streeter, a business coach and guide from RaceCorp. Welcome, Landy. Thank you, Richard. Last week, we were chatting about innovation um, and, and where we need to go with that in terms of being a critical asset in your business that will help you to scale and grow, or is it just a fad? So that's a great uh, podcast to listen to. Download that from our webcast, uh, from our website. Joining us in studio today is Cornelius Huber, CEO of New Nomad, a workplace consulting firm. Hi and there, Richard. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the future of work and the workspace culture in the entrepreneurial space. So first off, tell us a little bit about New Nomad. What does New Nomad actually do? Because this word, a workplace consulting firm, that sounds really out there. <laughs> tell us what New Nomad does. It, it started life as a short-term work and meeting space platform. And from there evolved into a workplace strategy firm. The big idea behind workplace consulting is really to help clients, business owners, unlock the value of their real estate so that it can move from being the second biggest item on the balance sheet to being something that they can leverage towards their own profitability and business goals. Mm. So leveraging the leveraging the asset base that they've got and the investment that they've already made in real estate effectively. Absolutely right. Okay. So when you talk about workplace strategy, um, is that – I mean, is that something that we should be actively considering as as business owners? Isn't it something that just naturally evolves? I mean, you put you get a, a you get a bit of office space, you put a few desks in it, you make sure that it all fits nicely, and off you go. I mean, isn't it that simple? That that certainly is the traditional <laughs> point of view. Okay. The the more the more modern or progressive take on on that scenario is understanding what the function of the workspace is going to be and tying that up so tying your place strategy up to your people and your process strategies so that you can get maximum benefit out of your real estate investment so it goes beyond just having desks and Mm. it goes to understanding how those desks are going to be used Okay, so so give me some practical examples of how the how this works. I'm trying to get it out of the theory base into my workspace. Absolutely. So the the easiest way to understand this is to look at how the modern workforce works, and a recent study done by Work Life Balance was was trying to understand how much time we spend in the office and when we're in the office, what do we do, and interesting findings that came from that study was that we really only spend 32% of the time that we're in the office at our desks. And this is a global study across markets, across sectors, across business divisions. I was going to say, so is that 
just South Africa, globally. Okay, so that's a, across the, across the world. Across the board. Correct. Okay, okay. And the next level that… that, that so sorry, so that percentage again, 30? 32%. Okay, so I'm an accountant. Okay, so I'm wasting 68% of my spend on desks for people because basically <laughs> I'm using it 32% of the time. There you go. Okay. There you go. And okay. that is the that is that is the aha moment of mm-hmm. workplace strategy. The, the the next bit of information that was quite fundamental to this research is if we're in the building and we're not at our desks, where are we? And mm-hmm. in the pause area drinking coffee. At the water cooler, in the pause <laughs> area, in meeting rooms, in boardrooms, engaging with colleagues, meeting with clients, those sorts of engagements. But still that number only reached thirty eight percent. So now Talking to your numbers, that only gives you seventy percent. So the other seven, the other thirty percent of a typical workday, we are not in the office. We are seeing clients. We're on the road. We're in traffic, and the result, the net effect of that research is that we then understand how to set up an office space that responds to the modern way of working, mm. so that we give people the places inside our space that they need to be productive and effective. Yeah, because I, I, I was recently uh, visiting one of our, our uh, big clients, and they're in a brand new office space. And I was quite interested. I mean, I, you know, the whole concept of an open plan office has been there for a long time. But I was quite interested as I walked through their new offices to see how they'd used the space. There was a lot of space dedicated to meetings and conversations and conversation areas where, you know, two, three, four people could obviously sit and have a conversation amongst themselves in, in what is not a formal boardroom. So chairs, lounge type of things, let's call it coffee table, conversational type of area um, that I observed. And I was, I was quite interested. And then, and then interestingly, the workplace where people were sitting at desks was actually quite, we call it densely populated. People were quite close together, and there was a lot of space allocated for these kind of conversational uh, meeting sort of spaces outside of the formal rooms, which were also there. Yes. So is that now sort of becoming the? I would imagine these guys have just done their, their you know, had this building built. So I would imagine they're probably on quite close to the edge in terms of how workspace is being utilised in a corporate environment. Correct. There's a lot of lot of movement away from the traditional office, away from this is your desk, that's a meeting room. Desk mm. has to have so many square meters. You've mm. got to have so many square meters of storage space towards what I like to call the co-work model. Co-working has been very good to show us how the modern generation of mobile workers like to work and mm. do work. And there's a lot of the principles that, that, that one uses in co-working that has spilled over into the corporate environment where you create, like you've just pointed out, those spaces that promote collaboration, that builds a sense of community, that give employees a sense of working for an organization that's investing back into them mm-hmm. for the purpose of productivity and ultimately profitability. Mm-hmm. So would you <clears throat> sorry, so would you say a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are becoming a little bit more results driven um, in organizations and that it's less input you m- you must sit at a desk, work nine to five clock in, and um, that employers are recognizing the fact that 
uh, employees are more sort of looking towards managing their lives professionally and personally, so need flexibility. And that then also translates into the physical sort of manifestation of the workspace, allowing them to do that. Uh, uh, yes, 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 and yes. Okay. Across generations, we're seeing that whether you are a baby boomer or a generation X, Y, or Z millennial baby, your needs are the same. You're looking for flexibility. You're looking for change. You're looking, looking for spaces that fits into your work-life balance. We're looking for spaces that give us the opportunity of taking ownership of our work lives. Mm. We're looking for spaces that give us the ability to work on a results an outcome-based basis rather than an input and attendance-based basis. Mm. I was going to say, I think what I'm, I'm hearing is that being at work doesn't translate or, or working doesn't translate into being at my desk. 100%. Which is, now, I, I saw a, a video clip the other day talking about the educational system and how we haven't moved on from the world of the industrialized age when you, you know, everything happened in a process and it was production factory orientated. But they used this kind of imagery, cartoon type of imagery of these people working on the production line and then they superimposed on that work desks and as you say this, I'm thinking about these long rows of work desk where paper moves from one desk to the other. That is no longer the world of work. We're now, we're now very much a, a world of intellectual engagement with the work that needs to be done and, you know, systems and computers and processes handling the stuff that was traditionally, you know, stamp, pass it on, stamp, pass it on type of, you know, post office style. Now, how does – I mean, if, uh, what you've talked now is global trends and, and, and global numbers. How does this now distill back to South Africa? Are we are we with the curve, ahead of the curve, behind the curve? I mean, where are we? Are we on top of this wave riding it like the rest of the world? Or have we lagged somewhat um, here at the end of Africa? Or are we kind of up there? We're, often, you know, you know, often look at our like our banking industry. You know, people – Kind of go well. You're in Af in South Africa, and I go well. Hold on a second. Our banking industry actually could make a few of the first world countries, you know, rethink mm. the, how they do their banking. So, you know, let's not run with the illusion that we're always behind the curve. Sometimes we're ahead of the curve. Um, how's the how's the South African market reacting to these demands, needs, and thought process? There's there's certainly. I think always going to be a percentage of the market that is going to lag behind, whether mm. you first world or third yeah. world. I think we've got to, as South Africans, we've got to stop looking at ourselves in isolation and we've got to start looking at ourselves as global citizens mm -hmm. and we've got to start thinking in terms of the world stage when we make decisions. We can't continue for much longer to make our decisions based on the fact that we're on the southern tip of the African continent. Mm. In in that, I think there's a there's a large body of evidence that supports the fact that we are on the global curve. Mm. There's certainly enough evidence of that in our big metro areas of organizations who are taking the bull by the horns and introducing these new philosophies mm. into their workplaces and responding to not only what's happening on, on the global stage, but also in terms of what the South African employee requires from mm. their work environment. 
environment so that they can be productive and energized and healthy and feel mm. that they're being looked after at work. Mm. Now, I mean, if I look at – and let's just separate this now from, from – this part of the question if i look at the workplace right now and i look at let's go to the big corporates if i look around uh you just have to look at the traffic in santon and figure out you know all those lovely new buildings for sassel discovery eny you know ey and all of the the new buildings that are going up in the center of santon and you look at all of these buildings and i think to myself wow these are all very well designed and ergonomic and all the other good stuff you know Taking care of all the good things that they need to from a from a planning perspective, are they leading as well in terms of the workspace that they're designing and putting into those buildings? Certainly, mm-hmm. you, if you you just have to book a tour in any one of those buildings you've just mentioned mm-hmm. and look at the technology and the thought that is being put into the design of those buildings, mm-hmm. both at a architectural and interior construction as well as green building level. Okay. And you can see how what we're talking about here is being distilled at, at, at a user level. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, um, Cornelius, you know, I, I assume that what you're – the meaning that I'm taking of it is that you're really, really helping businesses to cultivate higher levels of connection um, on, in the workplace – do you support your clients only to do that at the workplace itself, or does it take it beyond the actual physical real estate? Because you also mentioned work-life balance. Absolutely. Um, so how do you go about doing that? That's the one question. The other question is, is there a high appetite for your work, or you still find that you have to evangelize what you have to offer to people so that they can see the sense in connecting space and, 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 and people's strategies? Okay, so let's deal with those in reverse. Yeah. There's, there's – uh, lot of work that has to be done by myself okay. and those like me to introduce this new way of thinking about your real estate to mm. the user market out there. There's, there's certainly, like I mentioned, there's, there's a, a sufficient amount of organizations that are leading the pack and proving that these, these are not just pie in the sky philosophies. They are tangible business principles that can be introduced into an organization and does equate back to profit uh, and money in the bank. Uh, but it's not a mainstream consulting service yet. And as a result, I am at the spearhead of, of this conversation and, and you have to go into organizations and, like you say, at a C-suite level, evangelize <laughs> okay. this, this to them. Uh, work-life, work-life balance is, is certainly – probably one of the, the, the biggest drivers of, of this conversation. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do is you're trying to create a workplace that gives, that gives the employee the sense that you're investing in them. So your real estate becomes part of the human resource package. It becomes a talent attraction mm-hmm. and a talent retention mechanism. So, you, so you're putting pictures of your new desk on your offer of employment, eh? That's, 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 that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah. Because no, if I'm no, going to offer you, if I'm going to offer you X package per annum and mm. another organization is going to offer you, let's assume exactly the same package, but the one's work environment is more appealing to you yeah. and they've got bigger employee benefit structures in place, then you're naturally going to want to migrate to the employer that's going to give you a better work environment, but Mm. also tools with which you can work more flexibly and more mobile. Mm. So it becomes aspirational. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. 
Well, Absolutely. Well, I've always, I've always along in, in my corporate career, I always used to say there's three things that you don't mess with when it comes to people. Their parking, okay, their payslip, <laughs> their payslip, okay, and their coffee, okay, or their tea or whatever they're drinking, their refreshments, their beverages. Um, mess with any of those three things, and 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 life gets gets complicated. But interestingly, if I think about the, those statements, when I say the you know the coffee, it's actually not so much the coffee, but it's actually the environment that they're working in. I mean, so, you get the same reaction if they you give them a, a really lousy chair. You know, you're going to get the same reaction as if you change the brand of coffee that you put in the machine for them. Yeah, so I'm like, when you speak about that, you take me back to my corporate life. Richard, oh. Richard and I worked together, and and, oh. and and we moved into this building together in which we weren't allowed to put up personal things. For me personally, it didn't matter. For other people, it was hell on earth. And I suppose, I mean, how 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 much of personal autonomy are you able to incorporate back into this kind of space? Because when you lose your ability to have the kind of coffee you want to have or have, you know, manage your space the way you want to, it's quite disempowering. It, it becomes complicated at the level where you're dealing with one portion of your employee set who works mobile and is not in the office all the time and does not necessarily always have a dedicated desk, mm. but they still want to put a picture of the wife and the dog and the kids up, and you're dealing with another set of employees who are in the office all the time. Let's call them your back office staff or your administrative mm. staff who come in, and they have a dedicated desk, and they can put personal belongings up to help them uh, identify with the work environment. When it comes to the first set of employees, unfortunately, you just cannot accommodate that that level of personalization and empowerment. But when it comes to the latter, it, it becomes a bit of an easier conversation. Mm. But empowerment is also a bigger conversation than just a, a photo on the desk. Empowerment also goes into a conversation around giving the employee the tools with which they can empower themselves mm. outside of the workplace so that they can be all they want to be and and not just limit them to to trying to identify with the workplace in itself. So something that comes up for me from an entrepreneurial perspective in small business is very much a culture-based thing. And if we had to refer to, you know, having a workspace strategy from the beginning to be effective, to motivate our employees, um, surely that would also be of great benefit to smaller businesses that are looking at growing and scaling where more people come on board. You have to be effective. It's a very complex and busy world, fast paced. Um, and of course, I know, you know, in big corporate, um, I've also had a few experiences there, but more so more on the entrepreneurial side where tech, like if I'm down, like I need Wi-Fi, I need to be connected. I need to be online because I'm a mobile mm. worker. So my coffee, I can compromise. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, but, but but you you must remember the Maslow hierarchy, the Maslow hierarchy, what pyramid of hierarchy, hierarchy needs, needs has actually fundamentally changed. There were there used to be five levels. There's now a sixth <laughs> level below, and the step uh, level uh, is, and the, and that level below is Wi-Fi and battery life, connectivity, and battery <laughs> connectivity, life. and and Absolutely. power. Yeah. You don't have those two things. You don't even get to it's food, become food as and water as water and power. Uh, in fact. I must tell you this, that I think I get a faster reaction at home if the Wi-Fi goes off than if the lights go out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's like, Dad, where's the Wi-Fi? The Wi-Fi's just dropped out. And I'm like, you know, the lights are still on, so it must be something on the router. <laughs> Go and fix it. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, that's that's a very valid point. And inter- interestingly, I mean, I, I remember distinctly, you know, we are now putting Wi-Fi into this environment, but there are no guest passwords, and it's strictly locked down. And nowadays, if you walk into an environment and they don't give you a guest Wi-Fi, you, like, look at them and you go, what's wrong with you? Yes. Mm. So, you know, the the workplace has fundamentally changed in terms of its expectations, to your point, and, and what what people th- are thinking about as a, as a critical need. Well, setting yourself up for success, right? And you want to set your business also, your smaller and growing business up for success. So I don't know if you can give some insights with regards to what entrepreneurs should be considering in their workspace to be effective. I think in order to answer that question, one just has to take two steps back. Traditionally, the thinking for a growing organization was to work, A, in the kitchen counter, and and then evolve their business into uh, maybe shared office space and then ultimately take up their own space. But more recently, the conversation has shifted away from just thinking about real estate as something you buy or rent and that you fit out and put furniture into, into a conversation that affects all the different departments inside an organization. So in order to, to give your entrepreneurs a, a feeling for how they need to tackle this, they need to bring all the different departments around a table where real estate is center stage to the conversation because human resources gets affected by workplace <coughs> decisions that are made and vice versa. Facilities management does not perform a traditional janitorial service anymore. Like mm-hmm. we've just said, they are in charge of making sure the Wi-Fi is working. We have to bring marketing onto the conversation line because we need to promote these new decisions that we are making in terms of our real estate and our HR strategy and our IT strategy to our staff and to our potential staff, so both internally and externally. So what what an entrepreneur has to do is he has to think about how he wants to position his business going forward so that he makes the right IT, HR, FM, corporate real estate decisions so that his staff, ultimately the big beneficiaries of this conversation, can work flexibly, sustainably, remotely, and be healthy and well looked after so that they can be productive and energized. Hmm. I suppose added to that, you're also going to take into account your customers' needs to the extent that your customers come onto your premises as well. 100%. 100%. And how you engage with them. Are you engaging with them formally? Or informally, mm. and if you're going to be, in, if you're the sort of organisation that engage with your client uh, a little bit more in a relaxed fashion, then your space needs to echo that. Mm. And the reason branding and marketing is an important party around this table is because the workplace becomes a mechanism through which you promote your brand. Mm. It's not just your yeah. pamphlets and your flyers and your billboards anymore. Mm. And if your brand proposition uh, starts touching your organizational culture, then we need to make sure that we include the message we're sending to our clients so that it can be a true me- true version of the message we're sending them through our other collateral. And they're not going to only experience it in the space itself. It's the way in which their staff yep. um, interact with that space. 100%. As well. 100%. And it's all I, intertwined. Yeah, and I, I think there's also, for me, there's a whole lot of practicalities around some of the choices you make as an as a business person. I mean, I will 
never forget fitting out that beautiful building that Safi was talking about. There is no deal with FMB. And one of the questions that was, or one of the issues that we had to deal with was the carpeting. And that sounds fascinating. Uh, uh, the well, carpeting. The carpeting. Awesome. I can't wait to hear about this. <laughs> well, no. Uh, so, you know, the project uh, team comes to us and says, okay, we need to select the carpets for the building. So, you know, being the accountant okay. in me, I go, okay, well, what's the cheapest carpet you can get? And what's, you know, what does the range look like? And how long does it last? And, you know, all the good, you know, return on investment kind of scenarios. And I was faced with a choice of, a number of different, you know, kind of options on the, on the scale, but the one thing that got my attention was something that somebody said to me and said, "Oh, this comes with a X year guarantee, you know, fifteen years or whatever it was, and this is why it lasts longer because it's a what six sigma uh, nylon carpet, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And I stopped and I went, "Okay, so what's the impact of that carpet on my people?" Hmm. And and wow. they like looked at me and they went, what do you mean? I said, well, we run a massive back office operation, call centers, et cetera, in this building. If I have to replace the carpeting every, say, seven years as opposed to every 15 years, I'm going to disrupt everybody's life less because I'm going to have to move every single desk to replace this entire floor of carpeting. Mm. And everybody went, yeah, but it's like you know, 30% more. I'm like, yeah, but it's, you know, two moves for recarpeting as opposed to three or four over the lifespan that we're going to be doing this. And everybody like looked at me and they, and they just, you know, they were so hung up on the number that they didn't go the, let's call it the inconvenience factor of having to move an entire, I mean, you can imagine trying to move an entire call center around to recarpet a floor. That's, that's not fun. Yeah. Um, and I made a workplace decision to go, I'm going to go with a more expensive carpet. Okay, with a longer life cycle so that I could minimize the impact on people and the workplace having to move stuff around whenever carpeting needs to be changed. Because I've seen what happens when you have to re-carpet a floor. It's, an, it's a nightmare. Mm. And everybody was like, – initially, they, they like looked at me like I'd lost it as the accountant who normally just ran all the numbers. And I went like, but you're not taking into account the unseen cost associated with doing this. Mm. So that was one of the things that I learned about managing the workspace using the, let me call it, non-traditional measures. Because the traditional measures would have said to me, go with, you know, the other version. But just looking at the all the impact, I kind of went, hold on, you know, cost, uh, unseen cost was actually quite significant of having to move and people. And what you've actually done is you, you didn't just put your accounting hat on, you've mm. put your facilities management hat on. Mm. Because now you've made a decision at project level mm. that affects the life cycle yeah. of the building and yeah. that's that that those are important decisions to make yeah the one the one thing that always struck me in the in the whole world of managing facilities and, and the environment is that you just you can never plan for everything and that no matter how well you you think you've thought it through there's always stuff that that just comes out of the blue and and it's about being adaptive and and willing to change yes. for the sake of your employees and and the business just as we close out today, I mean, what are, if, I, if you were talking to an SME, an entrepreneur, and were to give them, say, two or three quick tips that you could think of that they need to think about when they're doing their workspace plan, what are those two or three things as we close out? 
I think it's, it's the list is quite long. Okay. Uh, so, so okay, pick the top two or three. <laughs> so the top three is not going to be too difficult. I think the first thing to do is to make sure that you think on a global level. Don't think as a South African. To me, that's that, that's very crucial. Uh, as, a, as a South African, as a patriot, we need to be thinking how we can improve South Africa as a whole. So if you're going to be making decisions, be part of the change. Be part of what's happening on the global stage. Bring those sorts of philosophies into the country and into your organization and distill it down to your staff so that they can be the benefactors of this change that you're making. The second thing is don't get hung up on interior design. Mm. For a long time, space planning and interior design have been the conversation we have been having when we talk about workplace and workspace and setting up an office. Start thinking rather about the people and how we can benefit them and how that will make your organization more successful because your people, your human capital is ultimately what you invest in and they are the guys that it's going to get out there and sell your product, market your product, support your product. And if they feel loved and wanted and needed and looked after, then they are going to work that extra two hours and go that extra mile to give your organization the, the, the benefit that, that they need. And the third thing is to make sure that you think of disruption. There's, there's a, there's a lot of talk about disruption at the moment and how much the world around us is changing and try not to use rear view, rear view mirror strategizing and mm-hmm. think about what's going to be happening in the next 10, 15 years because that's the world in which you are going to mature your organization. Okay, great. Cornelius Joubert from New Nomad, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate your insights. Pleasure. Thank you. Next up, the Youth Leadership Platform. Stay with us. This is cliffcentral.com.